Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. It's season two. <laughs> How was your summer? Well, I would act like uh, I was missing you a ton, but just so everybody knows, I've still been talking to Jeremiah. So um, I did miss doing this with you, though. Wasn't it strange not to be talking to everyone about baking every week? It was kind of weird. It was really weird. But um, yeah, I'm glad to be back. We both had busy summers, so we crammed a lot in. And now I'm kind of, well, I'm not kind of, I'm like very happy to have the routine of getting back to a rhythm of school and flower hour and normal life. So as everyone heard, you're now in Los Angeles. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, So my husband was transferred with his job from actually Baltimore. So I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast, but he was working out of Baltimore. He's a pilot, so he would commute up there and work. And we weren't seeing enough of him. And his company is opening a place for pilots here in Los Angeles now. So we decided to load up the kiddos and make the big change. We sold our house. We bought a house here. We drove across the country. It took like 10 days and landed here and he's going to be working. So we'll get to see him a little bit more. So it's a great move for our family. And plus Los Angeles, man, beach, mountains, cool city stuff. We're really excited. We're so excited to be here. Are you inspired to bake? Uh, I'm tortured by my brain because I would really like to be baking, but we're in an Airbnb right now because uh-huh. the house we bought, we made an agreement that the lady could have a little bit of extra time to move out the current owner. Well, we're the current owners now, but she is still in the house. The lady who owned the house before is still in the house. And so we're just kind of here waiting until she moves out. We have a date where she has to be out, but any day you know, she could call us and say that she's out. So we're in a very strange limbo mode. We're in an Airbnb that I was really planning on baking in. So I brought some of my gear and the oven is just uh, not quite what I needed it to be. There's not, there's very, very little space, which makes me sound like quite the diva, but I mean, I am kind of a diva. And then there's just other challenges. So we're just not able, I'm not able to bake right now. And I, I cannot explain you guys. I thought for a little bit, I was like, oh, maybe it's good for me to have a little break. I am losing my beep. Like I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> I beeped myself, but yeah, I'm losing my, my, you can fill it in with mind. How about that? I'm losing my mind. I have a really, really good question for you. What is the first thing you're going to bake in your new house? This really special house. I've thought a lot about this and I was like, I wanted it to be something that I just love and my family loves. So as silly as it is, I was like, it's either going to be chocolate chip cookies or it's going to be chocolate cake because those are our kind of family go-tos, not when I'm playing with baking, but just baking purely from love because I know this is what my, you know, this is what my kids, this is what my husband, this is what we want to eat. Um, 
so I was thinking chocolate chip cookies or chocolate cake, but then it has to be chocolate cake because one, I have a deep urge to make cake and I need to scratch that itch. And I don't think chocolate chip cookies are going to do that. And then also because our house that we lived in before that I'm kind of a little emotional and missing a lot, I would bake a cake for the anniversary as we were there each year. So, and it was always chocolate cake. So I'm thinking chocolate cake, it needs to be kick this house off. Right. I cannot wait to see pictures of that cake. It's going to be special. It'll be filled with love and chocolate. Also, I've been brainstorming and I may double up here. You know, devil's food cake. Yeah. I thought it'd be fun to do some kind of a twist and I haven't figured out what, but call it she devil's food cake and do some kind of, you know, witchy woman cake. I don't know. So that might also be combined. Like I I tend to do that. Like, okay, it's for the cake. It's for the house for the move in. But also I kind of want to do something. Yeah. I don't know. Creative. It's, it's, I'm so pent up, Jeremiah. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. It's crazy. But I'm eating a lot of good stuff. It's fun to try new things, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah, I've seen some beautiful donuts come through your feed. Yeah, uh, that's one thing when I'm not baking and I'm going to eat what, you know, I can buy. Donuts are my go-to. So, mm. I've had a lot of donuts lately and I really shouldn't complain. It's like who complains about that? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I cannot wait to get on a plane. You're so close to me now and we can do so many fun things together. And I can't wait for what that's going to do to flower hour this year. It's really cool. Cause even though, you know, we're not like next door neighbors, but just being in the same state, I feel like I can just look up the coast or something and wave <laughs> at you. I, definitely. There's the sense that you're closer and being in the same time zone is awesome. You know, recording with a lot of our guests from other countries and other time zones, it's a lot of math. And now we've taken out some of the math. At least we're in the same spot. Absolutely. So, okay, what have you done with yourself this summer and on our break? I mean, I kind of know, but let's fill everybody in. (laughs) And first, (laughs) I want to apologize if I sound a little crazy. There's two things going on with me. One is I just got back from the dentist. I had um, a cavity filled, so I'm a bit, my face is a bit like weird. And the other is I'm getting over a cold. So, but I'm here for you all. I'm so excited we're back. (laughs) He's a wreck, but he's here. (laughs) (laughs) A couple really cool baking things have happened this summer. One is that I've been spending a lot more time with my maternal grandmother, Maxine. Her health is sort of declining, and it's been this great opportunity that I've been able to spend time at her home with my family, and her and I have been baking a lot together, and we've been baking through her old recipes and her mom's old recipes. We've done a lot of cookie baking, which is a really great, you know, easy day project you can squeeze into an afternoon or morning. And it's just been so special to relive memories and stories with her, have her teach me how to do these cookies. And then my mom and her sisters and my cousins will come around and be like, oh my gosh, we haven't had this cookie in a while or this. And it's just a great way to spend time with family, as we all know. That's, I think, one of the reasons we all bake so much is these stories and the community that gathers around baking. So that's been lovely. We're going to continue that this this fall. And then um, I had a really great, long, extravagant summer vacation. And one week of that vacation was in the Portuguese island of Madeira. And it was on my list of places to go and research. And I got to do that this summer. And it was spectacular. Wow, what an island. It's just a total, they call it the pearl of the Atlantic, and it's just a paradise. 
Um, baking wise, I spent a wonderful afternoon with a local senora, a lady who taught me how to make um, their traditional honey cake. Now it's not honey like we think of from bees, but they call molasses sugarcane honey, which I think is really sweet and kind of poetic. So they grow a lot of sugarcane there. And with the molasses, they've for centuries been making a cake, not not unlike a fruit cake, but with some nuts and um, crystallized um, citrus and a lot of molasses. And it's actually made with yeast, which is so interesting to have a, a yeasted cake. How um, cool. Because it definitely has the texture of cake. Um, and you let it rise for about three days. But um, Annabella, my teacher, taught me how to make a rapid version, which you can do all in one day without yeast and just with baking soda. And it's almost just as good. But it's it'll be lovely to have that option in my book for people who want to make this cake and not take the three days to to let it rise and whatnot. You know me, though. I'm all about the longest, most difficult way to do things. So I can't wait to make <laughs> a <new> version. <laughs> Um, she also taught me how to make some really cool beer cookies. They brew a lot of beer on that island as well. And it's a lovely little cookie with um, butter and beer and sugar and crunchy and almost like a pretzel kind of sweet God, and savory. God, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And passion fruit pudding I learned how to oh. make. That was amazing. They grow a ton of passion fruit there. And it's super simple. It's You don't have to bake it. It's set with gelatin, condensed milk whipped cream, passion fruit. You can't go wrong. Super easy and fun. Um, gosh. Quick question. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you just because I'm curious. And it's kind of a side note, but it popped in my head. I know you love passion fruit a lot. I do. And I feel like it's somewhat popular right now, wouldn't you say? It's you gaining. see it out yeah. and about. Um, but I feel like with it being a Portuguese, you know, something that's actually made – in, is it in Portugal as well? Yeah, it's in. It's yes, yes. It's mostly an island thing, like Madeira and the Azores. But then it's popular in the continent too. I don't know how much is grown there. That's that's something I don't know. But yes, it's popular there. Okay, so did you grow up with passion fruit flavored things, or was it something you kind of came into on your own? Yeah, it's a great question. So I didn't grow up with it, and then. When I went to Portugal for the first time in 2004, I went to the Azores to actually study Portuguese. And their most popular soda you can buy there is passion fruit flavored. Everyone ah, was drinking passion okay. fruit soda. And I was I took one sip and I was hooked. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I started to see desserts and other things made with it. Um, so that was that that flavor just like anchored itself in that country for me. Like this is a Portuguese flavor. And obviously it's popular in a lot of tropical places. Um, and then, you know, when I came home, you didn't, I still, that was just back, you know, like I said, 2004, you're not, I wasn't seeing passion fruit in San Francisco or the places I was living in New York city very much. And slowly now you're starting to see chefs use it. Obviously it's really popular with um, pastry chefs, it's such a great tart, tart flavor. And um, now, yeah, in Portugal, you'll see it made into little cakes, into these puddings, um, and in drinks, really nice with um, like Madeira, they make rum, they make a great drink with it. Um, so good, so good. So yeah, get Thanks your Thanks for letting me detour you, because yeah. I've been curious about that for a while. Like, how did you come into this? Because in my mind, like when I'm out and about and I see anything passion fruit, I automatically think of you. Oh, and I was like, thank is this you. a Portuguese thing? Or like, I couldn't figure out why yeah. it was something I so linked with you. But now, now it makes more sense. 
And a tip I've come across because it's hard to get sometimes depending on where you are in the country. So I have found it um, frozen whole in Asian supermarkets. That's a great place to find it. Um, and then my best place to find it is in either Latino grocery stores or I've even found it at Walmart in the international section. But in the frozen section, you can get the pulp that's been um, de-seeded and it's in a frozen bag, has no sugar, and it's the pure flavor you need. And um, that's a great way to get it if you can't get fresh, fresh passion fruit. Sometimes we can get it here in our local supermarkets, but it'll literally be $3 of fruit or like $18 a pound. They'll import it from like San Diego. I wonder if you'll find it more fresh since you're closer to where you can really grow it well. We're actually growing it in our backyard. And it's doing well. We've got maybe almost a dozen fruit this year. But um, yeah, it can be expensive and difficult to find. Oh, and then there's a a concentrate I found on Amazon. So if you're desperate for it, there's, there's some tips of where to find it. Great tips. Yeah, I love that. And I'm a big fan of frozen. I feel like the idea of fresh, fresh, fresh is obviously good and very positive. But frozen was something that was fresh, that was preserved in a really natural way. So you don't really have to add or change the product very much to preserve it nicely frozen. So I'm a big fan of that. So good shopping tips. Well, those were our summers. And something else special happened this summer. We got to interview someone very, very special for this first episode. I'm thrilled. It, we loved it so much. We've broken it into two parts. So today we're going to hear the first part of the interview and then the next episode of Flower Hour. So episode two will be part two of our interview with, can I just bust it out with Claire Petak, Yay! is the royal wedding cake baker, among many other things, for Harry and Meghan's cake, Prince Harry and is it Duchess Meghan? I should have done my royal research that sounds well we'll call her duchess no disrespect if it is uh but yes so she was the royal wedding cake baker for them so i'm sure you've seen pictures of the cake i saw it just flooding instagram did you the day of the wedding was your instagram just filled with pictures of this cake absolutely and i was just so in awe of it yeah, me too. It, I mean, I think we talked about it on a past episode, what we yeah. thought of it. So if you guys haven't heard our thoughts, it's very positive and you can go back and listen to that. Um, but I'm excited to bring Claire on to Flower Hour. We had such a great chat, one that I've been just dying to share. And, and we've been fans of hers for a long time. You and I have both been baking out of her cookbook, the Violet Bakery Cookbook. And the way I found out about her was Tartine, which is my favorite bakery in San Francisco, Instagrammed about her book and said, this is someone very dear to us. You all need to go buy her book. And if Tartine tells me to do something, I'm going to go do it. (laughs) So I went and bought her book and it is just a dream. She's from Northern California, but now lives in London. Um, So I definitely connected with her Northern California um, um, taste and instincts. Um, but yeah, what 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 were you? Was your connection with her book? Well, that cookbook is one of my favorite cookbooks of all time. Truly, when people ask like what cookbooks they should buy, that's one of the first, if not the first, that comes out of my mouth. Just because it's 
creative, but also very practical. I feel like you can make some very special things as a home baker and not torture yourself either. It's just approachable, but you still get a really unique end result. There's techniques in there where you caramelize sugar and break it up and put it into blondies, just that extra step that makes something really, really special. But again, it's really not hard to caramelize sugar, but it feels scary if you've never done it. And so there's a lot of um, techniques. That's one of the things I really like about it without it feeling like a textbook. You can just feel like somebody wants to make something delicious and come out with a really special product. So the book is special to me because it's a great book. And it's also special to me because a friend gave it to me when I um, got onto the Great America Baking Show. So as we were flying from New York to London, I was reading her book, which was kind of cool since it was an American who was living in London and reading these recipes. It was just a really um, great way to pass the time and not be too nervous. So emotionally, I'm also really connected to the book. That's so special. I love that. Yeah, it's a treasure. It's like one of those things, like a lot of cookbooks, I feel like I could just get the recipes from online or I could have another copy of that cookbook and I would be okay with it. And I'm like, no, that is a very special cookbook. I want to keep it with me all the time. I want to travel with it. I brought it here because I thought I'd be baking in the Airbnb. And so I brought it with me because it was one of the you know, recipe collections that I was like, I just want to have this nearby. It makes me feel like I'm at home. So yeah. It's a great book. And and I feel like it's such an extension of Claire because it is in that same way. She's so talented and does things at such a high level. But as a person, didn't you think from talking to her, she was so incredibly approachable and human too. She's effortless. She's inspired. She's engaged. She's so smart. And she just brings off this elegance that's just so natural um, that, you know, it's, it's just she's so amazing. I can't say enough enough about her. I'm glad you said she's smart because I that really stood out to me in this talk. And I'm sure you guys will hear that too. Just yeah. an incredibly clever person. She thinks in a strategic manner and is so honest to share that with us. So um, we've kind of touched on some of the things she does, but she's the owner and operator of Violet Cakes in London. She was also the pastry chef at Shape and Ease, which is amazing. Amazing. And she's a food stylist. She did a lot of food styling before, but still does it now. Yep. Beyond the Violet Bakery cookbook, she's also authored many other cookbooks. And we mentioned that she's from Northern California and currently living in London. So that is where this conversation takes place. We're in our respective places and she's, I believe, in her home in London, right? Yeah. 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 In the hot, hot English summer. Yes. (laughs) All right. I am so excited to welcome you to Flower Hour. Claire, welcome to Flower Hour. Thank you so much. It's really cool to be here. Yay. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Yay. (laughs) And of course, uh, you know, there's like this big giant thing that we just have to dive in because if we save it to the end and don't have enough time to chat, um, people will kill us. We'd be forever fools. Yeah. And all of our listeners (laughs) would would have our heads. So Royal Wedding Cake, we're just jumping right in. And the first thing I always want to know is, did the baker get a slice? Did you get to have a slice of the Royal Wedding Cake? (laughs) No, um, I, I mean, I could have probably, but I decided uh, not to know. I, I mean, I had been t- 
testing and tasting for so long, as you can imagine, to be sure to get it right. And um, by the time it happened, I was just really happy that it was standing and not melting <laughs> and, and that we'd all made it through security clearance and everything else. Um, hold on. So yeah, I, I didn't know. I can imagine. Yeah. After I'm sure you tasted every single batch of frosting and cake cause you know, that's just what bakers do. So I'm sure by the end you'd probably had multiple slices just in little tidbits here and there. What was it like to receive that invitation to potentially make this cake? What did that feel like? Oh, it's such, it was such an honor. I mean, it was really um, a surprise. I was not expecting that. I was definitely, um, like when I, when I got the email, I, I felt um, like I would very much like to do it. So I was really happy to receive the email and I felt that I could rise to the occasion, but I was totally surprised. I just, you know, something like that, I think, um, you just don't know which way it's going to go. It's such a, it's such a big gig. And it's also kind of, you have no point of reference with something like that. Oh, that's true. It's like, how do you practice for this? You don't. Yeah. 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 And I mean, who do you ask for? Like, you know, <laughs> what was it like? Um, I mean, so yeah, so it, it was, um, it was kind of, um, yeah, but it was like one of those moments too, where you think like, this is going to change my vibe. <laughs> like, yeah, it's totally. definitely going to change everything because, because, um, because obviously like the Royals are such a huge, um, it, it is so, so many people are so interested in their lives. Um, but, and, and then therefore so many people are interested in the lives of the people that are doing work with them so it was it was definitely like um I mean there were just like camera crews and lines like the day after at Violet which was really something that I just didn't didn't expect and yeah so we've been coping <laughs> so when did the camera crew show up like the day after the wedding or once it no, was announced that they you announced were it, it they announced it in um in March, actually, they, they, yeah, they announced it in March. Originally, they weren't going to announce it until the wedding because they said it was going to be like that. And I was like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then they decided to announce it sooner around, um, what was, it was just, uh, I can't remember why they decided to, to talk about it then, but it was, the first announcement that they made about the wedding at all, because everything is so secret, shrouded in secrecy. So um, I think that also added to the hysteria around Violet because it was the first thing that anyone knew about, you know, Meghan and Harry's wedding officially. So, sure. so they did it in, yeah, in March. And, but, but that was actually great because then we had sort of two months of, um, you know, the time to kind of gear up. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So you could kind of shift gears at the bakery and adjust yeah. to that new way at the bakery and then shift gears back to the cake. I can only imagine if yeah. it was like right at the same time you're trying to work on the cake and then yeah. also the bakery is just going bananas for the first time in that way. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was good. It was a good amount of time. Um, and it was also just really, it was just really exciting. It was super exciting. I can't it's deny fun. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun. It's fun. Nor should you. Yeah. 
eat it up completely. So can you tell us a little bit about how the recipe was chosen, what that process was like, or how you developed the recipe? Was it specific to them or something you've been doing for a while? Yeah, no, I decided to um, create a recipe bespoke for them because obviously I felt like it warranted that, but also um, I'd given them some ideas about which way they might go, which direction they might go in with the cakes. They were very much like, um, you know, there's think outside the box. There's no, there's no uh, brief. Why don't you just come and talk to us and bring us some samples? So I did that. And, and I thought that doing um, a lemon elder flower cake, that was actually my first choice too. So I was really excited that they chose it because I gave them about six options and doing that cake for me is so English and so, um, seasonal i mean the elderflower is so english it's such a it's like it's this flower if you don't know if you haven't been to england in may um just suddenly the whole like in london anyway <clears throat> the whole city suddenly smells like elderflower because they're oh, everywhere wow. the trees are everywhere and then they just bloom overnight and then it just smells amazing um <clears throat> and they're a thing that is it's very traditional for people to pick them and make cordial from them um i remember learning about that when I first moved here is one of the very seasonal things that you could forage. Um, so to me, it was like the perfect thing to choose. And then with lemon, because um, I always think lemon, fresh lemon cake is really nice for a wedding, especially in the spring. So um, that was how the, the flavor combination came about. And then, and then, um, then it was just like testing recipes that were going to, I don't know, be, as good as they could possibly, possibly be. <laughs> so. Testing like never before, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel I feel like, I, of course, I would give that much um, energy to anyone's cake I was making, obviously. I mean, that is really important to me that everybody would get that kind of attention. But you're sort of suddenly on the world stage as well. So I thought it better... It better be good. <laughs> Speaking of the recipes, there's two questions I have. One is, can you tell us about the cake recipe itself? I know that in England, sponge refers refers to all types of cake, but in America, sponge cake definitely refers to more of a specific type of cake. Type of cake. And the other question I had is, I saw you doing a YouTube video, I, I believe, building the actual cake. Um, yeah. And you were you assembled the cake in the cake pan, and I think that was fascinating. I would love to. Oh know yeah why you chose to do that? Is that something we should all be doing or does it depend on what sort of, you know, buttercreams and fillings? Doesn't everybody do that? I don't know. I thought that's... Sorry. I I don't know which order to answer those things and I'll start with that. Um, Basically, I learned that working at... I worked um, for a wedding cake designer in San Francisco years and years ago before I worked at Chez Panisse. And she taught us that technique. Uh, yeah, I really did assume that was just like a way to do it. But it's amazing because you can um, really get the right shape for the cake. If you build it in a pan, um, always lined with cling film, and then you put the layers in and fill it in there. So you've got like, you can make your border of buttercream and then put your filling inside. So the border creates like a dam for your um, filling if you have a softer filling or it gets too warm. And so then if you chill that, the whole thing becomes like this really stable structure. Um, It's amazing. Um, And then also just before you chill it, actually, 
you can kind of mold it with your hands and get like this really good shape um, wow. with the buttercream. I, I, I mean, it's covered in cling film, so it's, you know, it's not too, too gross, but <laughs> it's amazing with cakes like that. I mean, you really have to not be shy about, I think, getting involved, <laughs> um, you know, to get the good structure. And, and so we, we always use that technique and it works really well for us. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm going to try it. I've definitely done it with softer things that need like gelatin to set, but yeah, yeah, butter, yeah, yeah. This makes, this is a great, great, great tip. I hope people try it. Yeah. Because also if you're using, especially Swiss meringue buttercream, which gets firmer than, you know, your traditional um, icing sugar, powdered sugar buttercream <laughs> um, <laughs> for the American audience. Um, but then, then once it's cold, you know, that, that shape is really there. So it helps you get a smoother shape to, to work from as a base. So I haven't seen the YouTube video. So is that for the crumb coat? And then once it's out, then you do the finishing. Is that, that's what I'm envisioning. So I don't do a crumb coat. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I'm just a wild woman, Claire. (laughs) I love it. I I don't do a crumb coat unless, um, occasionally I will, if I have a chocolate base with a white icing. Um, but for the most part, if it's, if it's, uh, it'll just be, so there won't be any icing yet. So you, you fill the, 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 you, the, you stack the layers in this tin and then when it's really cold and firm, you flip it out, take the cling film off and then you have this firm, perfectly shaped base. Um, and it's cold. So in theory it's cold. So your icing should just go on really well. So then I just thickly you with a spatula I just thickly like apply once and then, that makes sense yeah you're not going to pull up that many crumbs doing exactly it exactly because it's all kind of um yeah kind of in place already exactly okay this is very efficient yeah. it's less work for you less buttercream you have to be playing around with yeah yeah it's all about efficiency with a tiny tiny bakery like mine because um you know, just so we can do as many cakes as possible and have as few trips as possible back and forth to the walk-in or whatever it is. And we have so little space with so many people. <laughs> so yeah, it, as few steps as possible is a good, good way to go. Cool. Oh, and then tell us about the cake recipe. What kind of sponge was that? Uh, yeah. So sponge, yes. In America, sponge is slightly different here. Here it's like just the word for cake. So they say sponge you know, ooh, chocolate sponge or vanilla sponge or carrot cake sponge. You know, that's just what they say for for the cake part. Um, But this recipe was developed um, to basically stay moist as long as possible. Um, I I love the flavor of a butter cake, but I feel like it dries out faster than an oil-based cake. So because this cake was going to have such delicious... um, elderflower syrup soaked into it and then this lemon curd filling and everything else I felt like we could use the oil in the cake and that the 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 sponge would have a nicer texture but um the flavor wouldn't suffer so so that's what we did um and it was great it turned out really beautiful I was really happy with that so I'm curious can people order this cake from you at Violet? Like if somebody was like, I want the Royal wedding cake, can they get, you know, a smaller version most likely, but (laughs) could they order this exact cake or is it one and done? One and done. Yeah. (laughs) I, 
I felt really strongly about, well, actually I felt really confused about what to do about that in the beginning because um, the business mind that I have was telling me to do it because I knew every single person that phoned or, you know, to place an order would, would want it. Um, but my sort of um, sentimental side and also sort of out of, a, out of, you know, respect for the couple, I really decided that it would be better to just keep it for them um, and to not make it for anyone else. Um, and, and that's what we've gone with. And it's been, it's been really nice, actually. We, we do a lemon cake and a malty lemon cake. Um, and we do do some little lemon elderflower um, mini cakes in the shop, which are slightly different, um, which is a butter base, actually, uh, with a drizzle, like a lemon drizzle, but the drizzle is elderflower. Ooh, good idea. Um, it's delicious. But yeah, so I, I made that decision and, and I feel really, I feel really good about it. <laughs> it feels funny because literally it's the new salted caramel everywhere I go. It's like right. lemon elderflower flavor, <laughs> but you can't get it from us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like there because I know just even here in America, scrolling through my Instagram feed, like yeah. everywhere now, it's been such an inspiration for so many bakes, but yeah, it's I'm cool. sure it's, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that you've done a lot of food styling as well. Yeah. And can you tell us what it's like um, doing a shoot with like Ottolenghi or Nigella and like how much control do they have? What's that sort of, what's, what's a collaboration like with on a shoot like that? How, is it all you? And they're just like hanging back? <laughs> well, usually they're not there. That's why they've got you. Um, so wow. most of the time you get a recipe um, emailed to you and you usually you probably know the photographer because most photographers choose the stylist that they want to work with unless the publisher or the art director has like a feeling about which food stylist they want to work with. Um, and so, and so then you just kind of like do the shopping. You, you make a list shopping list for recipes, <laughs> do the shopping, show up at the studio um, and just start cooking. So you're kind of just a glorified cook really. It's it's not it's not as glamorous as people think, <laughs> <laughs> but it, what's wonderful about it is that when you do get into a good groove with a great photographer, um, it is very creative. And I've had I've worked with some 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 of the best photographers, so I really enjoy doing that. <clears throat> and I, um, you know, I, I I do I do know Yotam uh, and and Nigella, but I've made cakes for Nigella. Um, which is really lovely. We have a cute little, she, she wrote me this really lovely thank you card once and I framed it, of course, and put it in the bathroom at Violet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, so, but on a shoot, um, usually if, if, if they've brought in a food stylist, the, the author's not there. So. Wow. Fascinating. It does. It's funny you said it's not that glamorous. Just the title itself sounds so glamorous. It's like anything with the word style in it, you're automatically like, oh, so exactly. fancy. But exactly. It brings in like different. some sort of fashion element to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they, okay. used to call, they used to call us home economists. Right. Which is, which is not glamorous. So <laughs> we go stylist. Yeah, and so now, we definitely judged that title, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
I thank them. Whoever did that, I thank them. So one of the, we we got a lot of questions for you from listeners and we'll get into those in a second. But one theme that I noticed a lot of people wanted to know about starting a bakery, um, just broadly. And I read that you started selling things at Broadway Market, which I haven't been to, but I assume is kind of similar to like market situation maybe, or something like that. Is that a way you'd recommend somebody to get started if they wanted to open a bakery down the line? Totally. It was a great um, business exercise actually, because when you have a market stall, um, you get a really incredible direct feedback from your customers that is like, you cannot buy. It's amazing because I think there's something about the I don't know. It's like, because you're just like out on some stall and ours is, it's a street market and, um, you know, it's like rain or shine, snow, rain, well, you know, whatever it's, we're out there. Um, and people feel, I think there's, there's not much of a barrier between you and them. So they feel really comfortable kind of giving you their feedback. Whereas in a shop, you wouldn't walk in and say to the kitchen, like, you know, last week I thought they were a bit better because they had like, <laughs> you know, they had blueberries and this week the raspberry, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me, but on the stall, they'll tell you that. And so you kind of get an idea of what people like. And quite often it's the traditional things like banana bread or um, here people love cinnamon buns with cardamom, you know, they're, they're like sort of Scandinavian flavors um, of a cold climate. Like they just love it and they love dried fruit raisins things that in america are, are a bit more controversial you know here they're like oh my god it's so delicious it has full of raisins whereas like, like in america you'd be like oh my god it's full of raisins you know it's like <laughs> totally different so um and i as an american baker you know i was sort of i had this california palette and so i learned so much about the palette here which really informed what i then ended up making um, in the bakery so that it would sell, you know. Um, but obviously still with my, my sensibility and my, um, uh, you know, I, I feel strong. I, I'm not just going to, like, make whatever people want. I still want to like it myself and um, want to believe in it. But, it's, but obviously you also want your customers to like it. So it's a really good way to learn. I, I recommend it for everyone. And also there's no, I mean, it's very inexpensive um, because, the risk is just whatever you've made. If you don't sell it, that's, you know, the cost of the stall is pretty inconsequential. Um, and then, you know, um, you make a lot of friends giving free leftover cake away. <laughs> it's good. As I'm sure, you know, both of you. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so a different type of question is let's say someone's coming over on short notice. What sort of dessert would you bake for them? Like what recipes do you go to on short notice? I'm a real fruit uh, baker. So I always, um, I'm sure that's growing up in California, you know, you know, in the summer it's blackberries and the autumn it's apples, you know, from if you don't have an apple tree, somebody you know does. So you go around and get those. There's always a glut somewhere. So I love to, to do anything with fruit. At the moment I've actually got, um, this incredible selection of plums in my fridge that I can't wait to do something with. I'll probably do something simple like a crumble, um, you know, a crisp crumble. <laughs> um, 
or a pie or like an open galette kind of thing. I love to, I love pastry. And then I love to just, you know, find the best way to bring out the flavors of the fruit itself. So um, it's, I think it's because it's more interesting. It's like when you're cooking and you're using salt, you know, and you're trying to get the, bring out the flavor. It's the same with baking and fruit flavors. You know, you use the right amount of sugar so that it's not too sweet, but it sort of tastes plummy enough, you know? Um, so that's what gets me interested. And then it's also usually pretty easy to do some kind of fruit dessert. So that's what I would go to. I love yeah. that. I would too, being a Californian. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to think about a regional palette. I think yeah, like, it, people are aware of it, but not always consciously, but there's definitely a regional palette, you know, throughout the United States. And then of course, in other countries, that's an interesting thought, like being, yeah, I'm, you know, moving to California, but not there. My immediate go-to is like to the freezer, we get out chocolate chip cookies, you know, <laughs> and like, I don't <laughs> well, immediately think fruit. So it's kind of funny. It's always good to have chocolate chip cookies in your freezer though. I would definitely, I do have that as well. <laughs> the any, any the smart maker does. Uh, okay, so thinking about California, I was curious about your early life with baking. Was it always a big part of your life, or was there a moment when it became so? Uh, yeah, I think I um, I started baking as soon as I could. I was in the kitchen with my mom all the time and she was a great baker and like sort of, you know, that would be an after school activity a lot of times. Um, and then my uh, paternal grandmother was also an amazing baker and she used to send us every Christmas these like huge boxes of like a, like a, I mean, really like a gigantic, like a moving box filled with 20 different kinds of cookies oh, wow. <laughs> in individual tins. <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, she was like, she was so cool. And she would, she did this for like everyone. Um, and so you had like all these different flavors and all these different, and kind of like some stuff was really traditional uh, and some stuff was kind of out there. And I was so, I just loved her. I loved her energy in the kitchen. And um, she was so, you know, she just let me make a mess and let me get in there and get in the kitchen and just do whatever. And so I I really loved it as an activity and then I did it all through um high school as like a weekend job and then in college I did it you know it was always like my job but I then I in university I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker so I I did everything I could not to be a professional baker but ended up doing it anyway <laughs> <laughs> Wow wow Yeah what is your desert island bake? Oh gosh. Um. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it.